1: Hey everybody, this is Michael Sweet of Striper and you're listening to Cobras in Fire and I want to tell you also, rock is not dead.
0: Listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast, featuring special guests from Striper, Michael Sweet. Let's welcome back to the program, Michael Sweet, uh, of course, singer from Striper. Michael, uh, uh, congratulations are in order because you are our first four-time guest. So. Oh really? Yeah, congrats on that. Uh,
1: well, uh, a- well, that's awesome. We got to make it like uh, ten-time, you know, guest or twenty-time guest.
0: Well, if you stay busy enough, I'll at least have you on once here. You'll have something to promote, right? <laughs>
1: Well, we'll work on that, man. That's I, I, I have no plans of slowing down right now. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay busy and keep pumping out the music, man.
0: Cool. Um, well, we do have a few people logged in at three, so I, I assume eventually someone else get it, but for right now, the title is all yours.
1: The title is all mine. Yeah, you or are the, the you are the, the. Okay. Well, you know what. You got to I'm surprised you haven't had George on that many times. You George, know, have you had him on at all?
0: No, I, I I haven't actually ever reached out to him. and I really should because uh, I he, he's talked to a couple of my friends uh, like Josh Toomey I know, and he's a fascinating interview actually.
1: He is, and and he's actually very busy and active. And he's got a lot of things going on, so he'd be a good candidate. All as right,
0: well. I'm putting him on the list. I'll get him by the end of the year.
1: <laughs> Uh, well, hey,
0: it was a pleasure, you know, actually meeting you at, at Rockin' Pod in Nashville. Um, I've always enjoyed having you on the show. It's, it's fun to talk to, but, you know, seeing you face to face and I, I got a little hug from you, too, at the end of the evening. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, and absolutely. plus, you got to meet the, the other host. You know, we kind of split up the interviews, but uh, it, 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 anyway, it was the pleasure was all ours for sure. So uh, did you, that was your first Rockin' Pod. Uh, what were your thoughts?
1: I thought it was great, man. I was really impressed and surprised in a good way. Uh, I love seeing everybody come out. Uh, and obviously, doing all the interviews was great, but it was also uh, amazing to be able to go up and, pl- and perform. Oh, yeah, you killed do a few it, too. Songs, you know? So it was, I really had a great time. I hope I get asked back. I hope that they continue doing it. I, I know that it's a little bit of a struggle for them, it's a lot of work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: obviously. And uh, I hope they continue doing it. I believe this was the third? Yeah, was it, the third it, it was or fourth the third.
0: One? It was the third. Okay. Um, and, yeah, if uh, man, if you would have seen it from the first year to now, I mean, it has grown quite quickly. Uh, um, wow. But it's been a blast every Amazing. year. Every year more fun. So.
1: Absolutely. Well, I, I hope they continue doing so, and I, and I hope to be a guest in, in the near future. I'm sure if and you're I available, time, they'll have man. you. I was, yeah. I was so pleasantly surprised
0: and i don't know if you recall this part of the evening but uh i ended up sharing a elevator at the hotel with you your wife i think tony hernell was there um this was the, like <laughs> i don't know pretty late i after the, the the expo me and some of the fellow podcasters had quite a quite a, a, in, enjoyable time uh consuming alcohol so i was probably a little drunk if i, I hope i wasn't too obnoxious uh
1: you know what, brother? I, you were not too obnoxious. And uh, you never have to worry about with that with me. Unless you come up and you you grab me by the neck and you you know start stripping me down or something. Then, then, then maybe I might say you were a little obnoxious, but no, you were
0: fine, man. Uh, all right, man. Yeah, no, it was a pleasure. But uh, anyway, you got an album coming out. Um, it's coming out on October 11th. It's called 10. Any chance you, you wanted to be like, hey, can we just sneak it out on the 10th? That way my album 10 can be released on 10-10.
1: Oh, man, dude, I, I, I would have loved to have snuck it out on the 10th of last month, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, I I. I it, the hardest part for me is the wait, you know, finishing the album and then coming home that night and listening to it and having that excitement. The level is so high, and I want the world to hear it. I want to literally go on Facebook Live and, like, play the album for everybody. You know, and uh, I can't, I got to wait, you know, four months or however long uh, the setup time is. That's the hardest part for me because I'm a man of, of little patience and, and because of the excitement, I want everybody to hear it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that's the way you got to You got to go through the process and you got to do it right. And uh, I got to bite my lip a lot and just kind of sit back and be patient.
0: You know when I when I was listening to it, um, well I will say this. You know, especially if you end up being a twenty time guest, I'm sure at some point uh, we can get into a conversation about faith and religion and its its role in society. Because it's something that I, I would think would be a fascinating chat with you. Um, but I did have one question regarding your own faith and how it affects your songwriting. It seems like no matter what project you're doing on, uh, you can hear. A lot of just, I mean, I know artists often write from a very personal perspective, but it seems like your personal faith is so ingrained in in who you are. Is it fair to say that it's just inevitable that it's going to come out in almost everything you do creatively?
1: I would think so. I mean, I'll never, you'll never hear me singing negative stuff or uh, stuff that uh, content in context that is, uh, Polar opposite of who I am and what I'm all about. You're just Mm -hmm. not going to hear that in this lifetime. Um, I was just recently uh, waiting on lyrics from um, uh, Tracy Gunn's project. uh, um, The the lyricist, the guy that's writing the lyrics, Mitch, he sent me a song um, about witches, about burning witches. And I, I got it. I got the concept, but it wasn't anything that I felt comfortable singing. So I basically had to say, well, I'm, I, I can't sing these lyrics. So it, it's, it's an important part of who I am, and it, it, the lyrics got to be right for me to be able to sing them and to put my stamp of approval on them. I'm always going to try to write and perform songs that inspire people. I feel that that's my calling. I feel that that's why I'm here on earth, and I want to stay true to that.
0: Do you take that same approach, like you guys did a cover record, and I know you you played some covers live from time to time. Do you take yep. that same attitude? Like, there's just certain songs that because of the lyrical content, you're just you're just not going to touch.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like I was a little, it was it wasn't going to be a big issue. But when I joined Boston, uh, I was a little concerned about uh, you know singing the song "Smoking" because you know it's it's about smoking dope, you know. <laughs> and what. It, 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 <laughs> and I was just kind of like thinking, well, hmm, you know, that might be a little weird for me to sing, but I'll do it. And then I got in, I, I joined the band, and then Tommy DiCarlo joined the band, and, and they said, Tommy, you're singing smoke, and I'm like, well, there you go, that worked out. Oh, you know. Yeah. But it's, I try not to be too weird about it or mm-hmm. too fanatical about it, but at the same time, there are certain things that just really you know, convict me in a way where I'm like, I just can't do that. I can't, I I can't do it. Sorry. Um, whether it's singing a song or playing in a band that sings a song or, or whatever, it's like, I got to draw the line somewhere. Or if you don't, you cross that line of hypocrisy really fast.
0: Got it. Um, well, let's get back to your record 10. Um, you, you, have kind of talked about it. You've been on our, our show and we've, we've asked you some questions about it. And I've heard you, you, you tweet and, 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 kind of tease things about it. As you said, you, you, this is a very much a guitar record. Um, oh, yeah. uh, you did not undersell that point at all. Um, nope. did you, ha- did you do much writing with any of the guests that you had on the record? Or was it pretty much you wrote I everything? I did
1: not. The only writing that I did, uh, Two songs, the two Joel Holkstra songs, uh, When Love is Hated and Never Alone. uh, I said to Joel, Joel, why don't you write the music for those tracks? Send me a couple of ideas Mm. that you have. And the whole point to that was for Joel and I to be able to show people what to expect on a full-length Michael Sweet Joel Holkstra album. Nice. This is our opportunity to kind of give everybody a taste of that. Uh, But all the other songs I wrote... Uh, The music, the lyrics, and uh, I I had in mind each individual player with every song. In other words, when I was writing uh, Lay It Down, I had Marzi Montessari in mind. I knew he'd be perfect for that track.
0: Hmm.
1: When I was writing Son of Man, I knew Andy James would be perfect for that track. Uh, so I, I already kind of, as I was writing the songs, I was already thinking of the player for that particular song, Gus G. I knew was for now or never, cause I already had the Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, you know, those parts <laughs> in my mind. And I thought, well, okay, Gus played with Ozzy. He's the guy for this track. And I knew it.
0: Yeah. There was a couple of times and I'll bring them up here, uh, that, that, that I felt that, that I heard it you mm-hmm. know, as a listener. Um, So, yeah, mission accomplished, I guess.
1: Uh, Well, I mean, you know, it's it wound up being it started out being a a little bit of a stressful album and project thinking, oh, gosh, how am I going to put all this together? And then it wound up being in the end really no more uh, difficult than any other album.
0: Was there much coaching you did as far as the solos or did you just kind of let the players do what they want or they they throw a bunch at you and you pick them?
1: I coached a little bit in an email. Uh, I would send out an email to each individual player, and I would say, okay, here's your markers. You're going to play from 036 to 047. Intro. Something that it has a, a, a melodic, memorable kind of vibe to it. You know, coaching like that and markers. And then for the main solo, it was like, hey, just do your thing. Go off. I want you to really shine here and just, just be Andy James and be, be Gus G and be, you know, and just do it. And, and everybody did. Everyone delivered. They delivered the tracks. They delivered the, uh, you know, the nice clean chain and the tone and they delivered the performances, man, the parts. Hmm. There were only a few things here and there that we had to edit. Like maybe one note that was on the one that we had to push back to the end. And, Gotcha. You know, it needed to be on the up instead of the down. Or, you know, there was a little overplaying, like in the middle of a verse, there was a riff or uh, a little too much here, a little too much there. And we just did a little editing here and there. But for the most part, what you see is what you get.
0: Fair enough. Um, I know you've released a few of the tracks for people to hear. I, I can confirm that um, they, they very much represent the record as a whole. This is a very metal
1: album. Um, it's a metal album, man. I mean, we got the songs that are a little less metal, a little more hard rock. Uh, you know, the Hulkstra the songs, mm-hmm. uh, Never Alone and When Love Is Hated. Those are just hard rock. It definitely have some metal flavors to them, but, you know, the real metal tracks that are just ripping um, and chugging are, you know, Son of Man and Better Part of Me, uh, Lay It Down, of course. Uh, Never Alone is definitely a metal. I kind of look at that as a metal ballad almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got, we've got songs like Shine and With You Till The End that are a little more straight ahead, uh, a little more melodic, more melody going on. Um, and, but all the songs are a throwback to mm-hmm. the tradition in the traditional sense of uh the the glory days you know i'm trying to bring back uh, you know and remind people of the great music of the past but yet retain uh, a, a more modern approach in the production sense
0: the the guitars are very compressed uh which is a classic with metal but uh how is there any type of approach you have a pretty consistent tone even when you change gear um, over the years, uh, that, that you, when you, how do you approach getting your rhythm sound?
1: You know what, man? I just, what, We go in the studio, and we, we put a mic on, in front, and we start tweaking knobs, and we're like, mm, yeah, it sounds good, but let's do this. Let's try this. And we keep messing around for a half hour to an hour until we go, wow, okay, that sounds amazing. Let's start tracking. And I always double-track everything. Mm-hmm. All the rhythms are double-tracked. Uh, And that just gives that nice separation. You can pan them off, and you get a nice stereo thing going. Um, Sometimes I'll do a third track straight up the middle, uh, but not on every song. And, uh, you know, it's the tone that I I have a signature tone, love it Mm -hmm. or hate it. I I have a tone that I think most people hear and are able to recognize it as a Michael Sweet or a Striper tone and say, okay, wow. And, and, And that's important to me. And the way I I get that tone is I do a lot of pre-EQ. You know, before I hit the amp, the front end of the amp, I I add a lot of pre-EQ. Okay. And and, and I basically manipulate the distortion uh, by doing so. Uh, I don't like most amps when you plug straight into them. I don't like the distortion sound. It sounds like it's muddy uh, and it's not as tight as I want it to be. And that's why I do the to add the pre EQ, a, a parametric EQ, and I, I, I literally will pull out some of the low end, and then I'll add some mids, and uh, and I redefine the distortion, and it winds up having that thunk thunk kind of <laughs> kind of thing that I always have, you know? Yeah.
0: Uh, one compliment I can give you on the record is that while while the songs definitely sound like an album, you know, when you're going through it, they still have their own personality, and that that's not always easy to to accomplish. Um, the tracks are very memorable, like them or hate them, you, you, they stick out. If that makes sense.
1: No, it, it does, and and I love that because I'm really purposely trying to do that these days, mm-hmm. where where the choruses are memorable and people can, uh, you know, sing along to something, and then the next morning they're singing it, humming it. Uh, and, and they haven't forgotten it uh and and that's important and and that's what was so great about songs of the past is they had that uh, you know a lot of bands a lot of artists have kind of ventured away from that in terms of hard rock and metal and i'm i'm trying to retain that but yet at the same time also do different things do you wait that's the hard part
0: do you wait until the records um complete to think about sequencing it as all or are you kind of processing that as you go through mentally
1: I'm processing as I go through like I knew better part of me right out of the box would be a great opener
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I always want to have a bookend I always want to have a great closer that's equal and on par with the opener so I knew son of man would be a perfect bookend to better part of me you know start with a bang in with a bang mm-hmm. that's, that's always the way the way I think
0: Sure. So uh, th- th- you, those are probably the first two things that are lining up as you're recording. As far as the sequence, you got a how do you want the album to, to, to begin and how you want it to end, and then you, you kind of fill in the story exactly. in between. and then
1: everything in between you want it to kind of flow. Like I like an album that really kicks you in the teeth for a couple songs, beat you up,
0: <laughs> and then
1: it starts to let you catch your breath, and then it lets you take uh, like a little, a little uh, power nap in the middle. <laughs> you, you know, and then and then it it wakes you up again, and then it kicks the crap out of you at the very end.
0: All right. Um, well, you mentioned the record opens with "Better Part of Me," which features Jeff Loomis from Arch Enemy. Um Lyrically, I found it very relatable, so I'm sure a lot of people will. Uh, it it, it kind of you know talked about sometimes that we're not always at our best, and we we kind of need to remind ourselves to to kick it into gear. At least that's how I took it. It's like, you know, get, get back on track here. This is not how you want to represent yourself.
1: Exactly. I mean, because life gets the best of us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we're having a bad day. Things don't start off and, and it escalates. And it, sometimes it gets worse. And, and then we're having the worst day of our lives, or at least it feels right to us. And we forget that we can rise above it. And we can present a better part of us and who we are. And we can change the situation.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's all thought and and just being positive and rising above it, and that's what that song is about.
0: Um, Yeah, and it's also just a killer track musically, but uh, it it really, that that did have a nice little impact on me as far as when I got a chance to actually listen to the lyrics a little bit. Um,
1: Well, good, man, good. This album, you know, uh, Goddamn Evil was a little more on the darker side lyrically, and this album is more on the lighter side lyrically, a little more positive. Uh, and uh, I, I wanted to really encourage people lyrically with this album. That was important to me, but without doing so, without being corny or cliche, you know, and, and trying to dig a little deeper. And, uh, and, and with a song like Shine, you know, that could be real corny. With the lyric like that, or it could be, it, it could be real cool. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful that so far, at least judging by and on the comments, that it's, it's a little bit more on the cool side versus corny side. And people really like the lyric approach. And, uh, and, and I wanted people to be able to smile after they hear this album and feel good and say, okay, let's go. I can, I can go take on the day now after I, after I just listen to all that.
0: Cool. Um, back to better part of me real quick. Is it, any chance that's you and Jeff trading off on the solo or is that all him? That's all Jeff. Okay. It kind of had that noble fantasy guitar all the solo kind of thing. So.
1: Yeah. Now all the rhythm parts, that's all me and Jeff is doing the soloing. Okay. And that's the way it is on all the songs. I'm playing, I'm playing a lot of guitars on this album. Now the one solo that I am playing is the ballad yeah uh let it be love I'm, I'm, that's and, and I think everybody can hear that and tell that. I have a, a very distinct style, love it or hate it. Um, you know, a lot of my solos are very um uh, you know uh, they're, they're thought out and pieced together, like I write my solos piece by piece, okay. you know like like I'll, I'll take a four bar section and write that and then I'll and then in the next section I'll write that, and the next section I'll write, it, and then I piece it all together. And I approach a solo more like a,
0: like a vocal. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I can see that. Kind of try to make it almost like a melody line.
1: Exactly, yep.
0: Uh, Marzi Manazari, is he by chance the... Uh, he's on that lay-it-down track, like you mentioned. Um, uh, is he the YouTube guitarist you mentioned to me in Nashville?
1: He is a, a YouTube guitar player. Uh, you, could, you see a lot of video clips of him on YouTube, and he, he also played with Phil Asamo, okay. Uh formerly of Pantera, of yep. course. And he's got a band, a project called Heavy as Texas. And Marzi's a great player, man. Yeah. he's a sweet. He's a great guy, man. He's an awesome person. Uh, but man, what a cool style! He's got such a unique style. Oh, that like, I hear Randy. I hear Randy in his playing. I hear a little dime bag in his playing, and and he but he's taken it and he's he's kind of taken it to a different level and he's he's added his own unique style to it and he's so such a good player.
0: That that end uh, breakdown of uh, that's, of lay it down where he's soloing and, and you start screaming at the end there. That is yeah. That is badass, man. <laughs>
1: oh, dude! I can't wait for people to hear. It. That's one of my favorite tracks. Uh, and, and the sleeper on the album. I can't wait for people to hear that one.
0: Yeah, no, and the guitar, you're not you're not underselling him either. None of these guitar players are hacks, man. They're all, I mean, no. all over the place. But
1: uh, um, Not one of them. Not one of them's a hack. Every solo is awesome. Every, every solo is different. You know, there are some that are in the same wheelhouse. You know, obviously, when you've got Jeff Loomis and Gus G and Andy James, they're all kind of in the same wheelhouse, but they're all very different, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, you, the title track, you know, you mentioned on the show when you were on before that the title track is in reference to the Ten Commandments. Um, I really never imagined that you were going to go the way you did lyrically on this, which is to me, actually, it, it was very simple but almost brilliant that you, you, you just kind of used the Ten Commandments to, you, you kind of reworded them lyrically.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: I was like, "Wait a and, second, and he's It's just amazing. I, I, I
1: reworded them. It's it's the Ten Commandments, right from the Bible, but I reworded them so that the flow, right, and punctuation, and, and and the yeah, the you, way you didn't I was change them. <laughs> you didn't write them. Uh, yeah, does, does exactly. God get a
0: co-write on this song?
1: Well, he gets a co-write on almost every song, man, because like, be- better part of me is right out of the Bible, Son of Man is right out of the Bible, uh, Tin is right out of the Bible. There's so many lyrics that are right out of the Bible, man.
0: Yeah, but this one, Michael, this is almost plagiarism, you know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to get up there, and, and they're going to sue me, man. I'm going to owe them a lot of money.
0: Uh, yeah, give them a cut of the publishing now. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no I loved it uh, it was like it, it caught me off guard because I you know it, you know, it's the fifth track on the record which is almost like it's going to throw some numerologists that you got the, the tenth the, the title song of an album called 10 is the fifth track is somehow exactly. messing with my brain there but um,
1: it really works man Sweet, Michael Sweet thinks of all these things people may not know that but I
0: actually do I wouldn't put none of that past you uh, <laughs> Shine is my favorite track you were talking about that a little bit um, um, tell me a little bit about Ethan Booth.
1: Ethan Broch is a killer player. He's a local guy, Berkeley grad, uh, and he is phenomenal. You know, and, and he's got a name. People know who Ethan is, but I think a lot more people should know who he is because uh, he's that good. And he's very unique player you hear little bits of uh, George Lynch in his playing, uh, bits of Eddie Van Halen in his playing, bits of Steve Vai in his playing. Uh, and, and and he's just got such a interesting style in terms of his phrasing and the way he puts it all together and totally unexpected. And I, that's what I love about him and uh, you know Ethan played on my last album. Five or six tracks and of course i had to have ethan on this album as well um and he's just a he's an incredible player that the world should know of if you haven't heard ethan Brosch, b-r-o-s-h go google him go youtube him go check him out because he's great
0: right on uh again yeah, if you ha anybody who hasn't heard the track shine they should definitely go find it uh um it'll probably sell the record alone but uh it, it's just a famous oh, yeah. song
1: yeah it's a, it's a cool tune it's, it's definitely one of my favorites i put it up there in the top three for me uh and um i love the way that one turned out uh, it just when i listen to it, it just makes me feel good musically and lyrically mm-hmm. and i love songs that do that uh, it, it's got a real positive vibe and it's different too i like the melodies. Uh, it's got some unexpected things. how It goes from a minor to a major at the end of every chorus. You know, I like that kind of stuff. I like, uh, you know, giving people things that they might not expect.
0: Yeah, uh, and the big choruses throughout this record, too. Uh...
1: I'm trying to get back to that, man. Yeah. I read those comments from people saying, hey, man, you know, get back to the, the old choruses, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I'm trying to, but at the same time, I don't want to repeat the past, and I don't want to recycle stuff and just do the same old cliche after cliche. So, but I'm trying to give those courses that people can sing along to and remember without repeating the past.
0: I, I do think there's an authenticity to everything that you've done with the last uh, with this record for sure. I mean, the, I mean, most of the stuff I, I would say that you've been involved in, I would I would attribute that to it. But I, I don't think you have to worry too much about um, you know trying to copy your past or you know you you do a good job of recreating things the way you want to.
1: Well, I I really try hard to, and but but at the same time, when I hear something that does represent the past in, a, in slightly, mm-hmm. I don't mind that either because sure. I'm not ashamed of the past. I'm really not. I mean, we had some great songs, and and, and some of the best days were in the past, uh, in the 80s, obviously, and everybody knows that. So when I throw a nod to that, that, that's fine by me.
0: I I'm not a huge um fan of ballads. I mean, I like really good ballads. I just think a lot of ballads are lazy. I wouldn't say that about Let It Be Love. I think it fits the album perfectly. It's a well-written, well-crafted song. You kind of actually have a reputation for 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 ballads. Um at least the ones you do are being, you know, they don't sound hackneyed or anything like that. This song is, well, is great. I
1: try not to get too you know, too goofy or or syrupy with with ballads. And and the reason why I love ballads it's because some of my favorite bands of all time were balladeers. Mm-hmm. You know, Journey is one of my favorite bands of all time. I love Journey. I listen to Journey every bit as much as I listened to Maiden and Priest back in uh, the 70s and 80s. And, you know, Survivor. I love Survivor. I love Loverboy. One of my favorite tracks by Loverboy was their ballad, It's Over. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I love a good ballad, man. There's nothing like a great ballad. And, and, and the funny thing is, is a lot of metalheads are like, ah, you know, ballads, blah, blah, blah. But, but often, not always, but often, ballads are some of the most well-written songs on an album. Yeah. You know, like the Scorpion's Ballad, No so, One Like You. That's one of their best mm-hmm. written songs of all time.
0: That's kind of a, a, a like a mixture, like a ballad and rocker.
1: You know, yeah, no, it's a rock. It's definitely a rock slash metal ballad. But, I mean, to me, it's, it's, it's a ballad. Uh, I, I even describe now or never with Gus G on it as a ballad. And people are like, well, hmm. to, to me, it falls more in the ballad uh, range. It's metal, for sure. Hmm. But it's, it's more ballady to me uh, in terms of the, the, the vocal approach and the lyric and whatnot. So, I'm
0: going to have to go back and listen you know. to that again. Uh, yeah,
1: listen to it. It's, it's, it, to me, that's a metal ballad. But I love ballads. You know, if they're written well, and they're tracked well, and they're not too syrupy, I love them. Now, there are some ballads that I, I literally can't change the channel fast enough on. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's where I'm at. It's not, I, I just like a really good ballad, and a lot of times, especially in the 80s, a lot of bands were just kind of taking a, a pretty lazy approach to them, I felt.
1: Oh, dude, no. I, some of the 80s ballads that are... are Monster hits, mind you. I, mm-hmm. I can't change the channel fast enough. I And mean, I just shake my head and I'm thinking, how <laughs> did that become the powerhouse song that it is? I don't get it.
0: Let's 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 hear you name some of them.
1: Oh well, you know. You um, don't have to if you don't well, have to. You just... put me on the spot here now, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to uh, cause I, any problems. I, I, I would. Oh gosh, dude! I'll get in trouble if my yeah, name. Yeah, no, it. I, I was. I you was, know that, right?
0: Yeah, that was the whole point, right? <laughs> uh,
1: <yeah. laughs> you, you, I think you already know. You, of course. you know. I'll tell you what, you you name a few. Give me a few huge ballads from the 80s that you can't stand.
0: Um, the Winger uh, song, Headed for a Heartbreak, I think is, is not very good. Um, okay. I never got I Saw Red from Warrant, and that was huge. There's okay. a couple. Is that enough? Give me one more.
1: Mm, let's see. One more from from uh, from one other band that was Might have been more glam. Fly to the Angels, I
0: didn't care for too much. Okay. <laughs> that one, I wouldn't. That, that one is probably better than those other two, though. There's a bunch. If, if, I, if I, if I, that off the top of my head, uh, I'm not doing very good. See,
1: now you're the one that's going to get in trouble, not me. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> I, uh, I'm supposed to have an opinion on things like these things. So I, if I don't share them, and uh, then, then I, I come off as a fraud, but uh, I was just joking by throwing it at you. But I don't mind saying I it. I got it. I get it, man.
1: Um, I get
0: it. I, I'll wait till we're posted it to throw in honestly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Ray, honestly, the thing is about Honestly, it, it's our most popular song. It's a, it's good, a ballad. good ballad. It's a good ballad, but it's a piano ballad. So what happens with the, it being a piano ballad is it instantly takes it into a little bit more of that syrupy direction, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It just hey. instantly does. Uh, Ch- but Ch- at the same time, some of my favorite ballads are piano ballads, like the Journey song, Open Arms. I mean, that never gets old to me. It just doesn't, because it's such
0: a great song. Sure. All right, Michael. Um, well, one thing I'd, I guess, uh, first of all, everybody look for 10. It comes out October 11th at Rat Pack Records. Pre-order the vinyl. That green splatter thing looks beautiful. Can't wait to get it. But I wanted to add, talk a little bit about Oz, because about a month ago or so, he posted a fairly candid update about his current situation, and suffice it to say, the prognosis was not encouraging. Um I don't know if you have any news there, but I would like to say I, I know a lot of people are pulling for him and they're in their thoughts and everything. Um, yeah, man.
1: Well, we appreciate it. I don't have any updates uh, other than, you know, they're they're talking to different doctors and we're all hoping and praying for the best. And he's out there, you know, with a great spirit and a great attitude and uh, and doing well right now. And we just appreciate everybody's thoughts and prayers, man.
0: Right on. And uh, once again, the record 10. It's amazing, Michael. I loved it. I think uh, people who are fans of your music are going to have a hard time finding something to complain about on it.
1: Well, brother, thank you. I'm i am so happy that you like it. And I hope that uh, the consensus is that everyone likes it and, and everyone agrees that it's a good album. I think it's a really good album. I'm very proud of it. I'm very happy with how it turned out. And I'm excited for the world to hear it as a whole very soon.
0: Always a pleasure, Michael. Thank you for your time.
1: All right, brother. God bless you, man. Thanks for the time. I look forward to next time, and uh, hopefully I'll see you soon. See you, man. Take care. Bye-bye.